Hey everybody, welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am Peter. And I am Jamie. And this is episode 18, and tonight's episode we're going to take a little trip away from our planet and the Zeta-2 Reticuli star system, like that we usually talk about. And today we're going to be talking. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about Mars. Yes. Um, so we both saw the Martian. Yes, it was. So what do you think? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was really, really good. You know, I, I to be honest with you, when I sat down, I knew it was going to be good. Not just based off of. Uh, what I'd heard, I just had a feeling that it was going to be good. I, I just think uh, Ridley was due for a good film. Uh, I didn't see Exodus, Gods and Kings. I wanted to, but I was like, eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was succinct. It was on point. It was funny. It was well-written. It made sense. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I thought it was very much of a return to form for Ridley. Like, uh, back to good old science fiction world building like he does so well. Um, and of course there's going to be naysayers with anything like, uh, oh, the cast wasn't good or, oh, it wasn't as faithful as the book and this and that, but who cares? I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. I'd go see it again. It's one of the best science fiction films I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really good. Now, I, it's interesting. There's a couple of, uh, there's, there's some similar themes that the Martian has with Alien where it, Ripley ends up being um, kind of this survivor's tale, and The Martian ends up being a survivor's tale. Um, of course, they're very vastly different, and I feel like The Martian happens to be a science fiction film. Um, it's it's pretty modern. I mean, just in terms of the way you know the music, and it's really relatable. It's not science fiction in the way that it's like, oh, in this distant future. I mean, it's a distant future, but it's not that far. So, and these people were very earth. You know, they're they're very relatable. It's like it could happen now. So I felt like that was really helping it, that it was so grounded in today. It's not grounded in 50 years from now in a hypothetical, you know. So that right. really, really helped it. Um, and someone compared it to Interstellar, um, which I don't think was a fair comparison. Interstellar is a completely different film. Completely, It goes off in a completely different um, direction, whereas The Martian... Uh, it really deals with you know how you survive being alone and uh how you survive when you think you're going to die um and it's funny and it's just, it's just great now i don't uh, we we keep mentioning how funny it is and to our listeners i just want to make it a point that it's not a comedy film uh i feel like um one of the ways the book was so successful was just mark watney's uh awesome sense of humor um yeah and i think that's what a lot of people do um to cope with life is they turn to humor yes but when it turns to life or death um i feel like it was well done to be so funny and so serious of a situation yeah um i, I agree i don't think it's a comedy film i think it's a film with a lot of comedic bits to it i mean it was pretty funny um but it was pretty serious as well, and I, you know, not giving anything away, I don't think at all. But I was there's a, a real big chunk of time where you don't hear about the crew that's left Mars. 
long time until they cut back to them, which I thought was fairly interesting. Um, the film did not play out the way that I expected in some ways. And I was, I liked it. I was like, wow, this is unexpected and this is great. Um, and the music, the, that whole, all the music that they included and how it kind of got on Watney's nerves. I love that. Oh yeah. That was so funny. Like he just kept making allusions to, does she have anything other than goddamn disco on this computer? <laughs> yeah. That was, and, that was funny. And, uh, uh, Matt Damon was awesome. He was just great in the role. He's so relatable. He's such a relatable guy. He's not this like um, this kind of movie star archetype where he's has these devastating. He's devastatingly good looking. You know, he's a good looking guy, but he looks like kind of the guy next door. He's kind of like your buddy in college or your buddy you grew up with. He's very very relatable in every way, and so that really and he's a fantastic actor. So oh, he was yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. It helped you relate to him, you know. Um, actually, and I was surprised, too. I, For some reason, based off the trailers, I thought he would have a family, that he had a family he was trying to get back to. But, well, I'll just, I'll leave it there. Um, I hope, well, I probably just gave it away. But, oh, well, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but I, essentially, though, the trailer, the trailers for the film tells you what the film's about. I mean, the trailers essentially give the film away in some ways, but it doesn't ruin the film in, in any regard. It's just amazing. Oh no. I was, I was really not expecting, uh, I was not expecting a lot of the things that happened in the book because this is based off of a best-selling book by a guy named Andy Weir. And I read that before I went and saw the Martian and, oh man, it was great. Uh, I, I did enjoy the book a little more, but there were so many other ways in which I thought the film was more successful. Because um, the film jumps around a little bit, but um, man, that ending <laughs> we we can't yeah. we can't ignore the ending. Yeah, that was a that was a nail biter. I mean, having not read the book, you don't really know what's going to happen. You just don't know. You know, um, it could have been a it could have been a, a somber ending for sure. You know, um, there's a couple of points where you're just like, oh, okay, they're going to help him. Oh no, sabotage. Well, not sabotage, but just bad news. Um, but yeah, that ending was just a nail biter for sure. Oh, it was great, <clears throat> and and uh, I think one of the the main things that I liked about The Martian was that being a Ridley Scott film and being as talented as he is with his visionary outlooks on things, it was so nice to see all of the problems that I had with Prometheus and his earlier films, just, they they didn't exist in The Martian. And and I thought that, that, was, that was a big step forward for me. Yeah, I would agree. I said the same thing maybe to you or to someone that all the I think I even posted it on our page that um some of the the issues that Prometheus had the Martian didn't have. But at the same time, the Martian essentially was was the script was written from the Bible and the Bible being the book called The Martian. Um so that was kind of the and that the book was researched heavily and with Prometheus you just have these people writing this stuff and there's no real reference point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully this really fuels Ridley Scott, um, as he enters into production and well, post or pre-production, which he's into now for, uh, alien, um, paradise lost that he really realizes that, uh, it's got to work. It's got to work on all cylinders in order for it to be a successful film. And it doesn't have to be this great 
science fiction, like, oh, we have to make sure that this little star out here is correct. No. It just has to work within the the universe that it's set up in. I, I really agree. And um, I really, really think that uh, The Martian is going to be a great... Um, great indicator of what's to come and i think it's interesting with the call and response between prometheus and the martian because i mean that's five years of time five no it's three years of time rather um between the two films and a lot a lot happens in three three years i mean movies are made entirely different you know in three yes. years time and it's just so interesting to see what worked in the martian as a direct response to what didn't work in Prometheus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, yeah. and I just, I think it's really cool because, you know, people are always learning and growing and Ridley Scott is, you know, he's no chump in that regard. Yeah. I mean, this, he isn't. this guy and, is going to be making films until he's on his deathbed. And even then oh, yeah. he'll be like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, also like Mark Watney, um, was a scientist and you saw that play out. You saw him try to figure out how to think, how do things work? That's how scientists act. And then you, you know, you compare that to, because there are some comparisons that will be made. You compare that to the biologist and the scientist or whatever in Prometheus. And you're like, no, those were not scientists. Those were idiots uh, who, who were called biologists and geologists. Those were idiots. This is a scientist. This how sci this is how scientists act. This is what they do. They problem solve. They figure things out. Um, and you can have, you can make it, uh, and you can make a film about really technical province problem solving and engage the audience still because we can, we can handle it. Um, we're, you know, we have so much access to information these days that, um, it's, it's, it's nothing, it's not going to go over our head, you know, as long as it's written well. Right. Um, and that's and, one thing that, Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's that's one of the things that I felt was was so successful about the book is that you have you have like a chemistry book's worth of science knowledge compressed into four hundred and some odd pages, and it's explained in total layman's English with dick jokes the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought it succeeded so well. And, yeah. And I think where this the quote unquote scientists of Prometheus failed in in that regard was too much humor and not enough humanity. When you look at Mark Watney, you see somebody who's desperate. You see somebody who's trying to survive. He's literally growing potatoes in his own poop mm -hmm. eat. Yeah. And he's making jokes about it. Yeah. Because that's how he copes. Yeah. And in Prometheus, you just see people referring to that proto face hugger thing as like, beautiful and this and that whatever i yeah, just felt yeah. like they were just written really poorly yeah yeah and uh you know one wonderful thing about the way mark watney is written certainly i'm sure in the book and obviously in the screenplay is uh he has uh, uh, he has a lot more in common with with um uh parker and burke i'm sorry not burke um uh, Brett, um, getting my characters confused. Right. Uh, it's much more in common with those two than he does with Fifield or, um, what's the other jerk's guy name? <clears throat> Fifield and 
those uh, two. They, they, I they, don't they, know, they're forgettable. The idiotic dynamic duel. Anyways, but yeah, so Mark Watney had a lot in common with with the crew of the Nostromo more because uh, they were relatable people, and that's what's successful. Relatable people. Um, and I, you, you could project into Mark Watney and say, well, hey, I, I know what that's like. I've experienced that. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't, I don't know if I can ha- handle that kind of music either. Um, and it becomes funny. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what time it's set in. Um, if it's, you know, 20 years in the future and we're going to Mars or whatever, um, what matters is, are these people relatable? And they're, they're made relatable because, um, uh, in, in smart ways. And I just, for me, that's one thing that I loved about, uh, the Martian, um, is that he was so relatable and he was so real and there was nothing pretentious about him. Um, and he kind of got caught up in his own kind of, um, ego just a little bit and then he got th- kicked on his ass because of it um, yeah. and i like that and and i think it's interesting to note that it's not just mark watney that's written well the rest of the entire cast is so real that it's like you're watching it actually happen and watching some of the behind the scenes interviews with uh the characters i think it was michael pena who played uh martinez and he was oh, yes he Brilliant. was he was in end of watch which is a great film um he was saying how ridley would just kind of tape rehearsals sometimes like they do dress rehearsals on set mm-hmm. and then ridley would be like cut so it would be way more natural um i might be taking that out of context and somebody can fact check me on that um but if that is the case then that would explain why things are just so natural in the film i yes. mean this was filmed on a huge soundstage in Asia, if I remember correctly. So we're talking like real sets. Um, obviously, Mars is just a huge red desert uh, with water now, obviously. But, um, you know, you have the Hab, you've got the, the Mav, you got the Rovers and all that. And that's, that's all real stuff with CG added in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's done so well. It is, and that naturalism, you know, uh, with Michael Pena's character, that's another character I loved. I loved, like, when they finally get in contact with with Watney, and he's kind of making fun of it, like, he's making fun of it, but in a way that we're just laughing at it, because he, he kind of, it's so awkward, it's such a, a tense situation, it's kind of easier to laugh about it, and the captain's kind of like, oh, please, come on, but it really, really works. And again, um, because I think that this is, I know we're kind of talking about Prometheus, but Prometheus was, is Ridley Scott's last science fiction film. And it, it, it warrants a comparison. It warrants a comparison why Prometheus didn't work and The Martian did. And again, we go back to relatability. We could relate to Watney. We could relate to the crew. We could relate to many things. And because they weren't, you know, and also, like, I, I even think of, like, in The Martian, you didn't have these characters, um that had all these like sci-fi hairdos and clothing and like, like five field, like, like they didn't need any of that. Why didn't they need any of that? Because they had personality. Michael Pena didn't have a huge role, but he's memorable um, because he was really funny. Um, and Kate Mara was fantastic. And uh, what's his name? Um, the, the winter soldier. Uh, awesome. Oh, the, the guy who played Bucky Barnes. Yeah. Uh, I not forgot a his role. name. 
but you could see a lot in him. Like they just, they just were really human people. And I love that. And I miss that from Prometheus so much. And so going forward and as we devolve into some news later on, uh, that's what I want to kind of discuss. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said, it's this, this film is very much a called a return to form for Ridley. Cause it's, it's got so much DNA of, the archetype set forth by Alien with regards to the crew members of the spaceship um, and set design and just the humanity of the people in the film, that it's really nice to see that again. Um, And if Ridley is going for that kind of storytelling and filmmaking for his next few ventures, then we're really in for a treat. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm quite excited. Yeah, Um, well, I mean... I still there's still some things I want to talk about about the Martian, but real quickly, we're getting. I would imagine Prometheus uh, Alien Paradise Lost will be released probably by Christmas of 2016, and then um, whatever Bloomkamp's Alien is going to be called will, will be released in 2017 in the summer. I would imagine uh, right when we get Star Wars Episode Eight. Um, I am so fucking excited. I mean, oh my god, there's so <laughs> much great stuff happening. Like, I'm just like. I'm going to be a kid in a candy store. I just can't even believe all these. And then a Blade Runner sequel is going to come out too, probably in 2017 um, because they're filming next year. Um, I just oh can't even, uh, I'll be old then. But <laughs> but, you, uh, you have a long way to go until you're old. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but I, I'm just really, really excited. And uh, I really feel like also the Martian and with Interstellar, um, have really energized the science fiction community and energized um, the audience's love for science fiction because we want to we we want to see good science fiction films. We love it. I mean, um, good stories will bring people to the theaters every day, every right. week, every weekend. Um, and bad stories will keep them out. And it's not about really the setting; it's about the story. Is it told well? Which The Martian is. Is are there relatable characters, which the Martian has, um, and they're kind of case, case closed. And I think it's interesting. I know so many people who have zero interest in anything relating, even marginally, with science fiction or science or space, going out to go see The Martian because of word of mouth that it's so good. Yeah, and, and I, it's the number one film in America right now. Nice. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I had a feeling, like I had a gut instinct that it was just going to do very well. And, yeah, me too. And I'm quite glad that it did. Because I know the last film Ridley Scott did, that Exodus film, like that was like a bomb. <laughs> and it yeah. has like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's, I'm there's sure it looks just, pretty. I want to see it. Uh, I, I'm I'm not really too interested in, in that film. Um but it it's just awesome to see him, you know, getting back on the horse. Yeah. Maybe it's a Netflix and chill kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, come on. Let's, let's watch Exodus God the King. <laughs> Netflix and chill. And you just kind of turn it on for like 20 minutes. And then by that time, other things are happening. So you turn it off. <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I want to see it. I do. Uh, just because I like all the actors, Christian Bale. Joel Edgerton, Sigourney Weaver is also in it playing um, Ramsey's mother. Um, so it's a star-studded cast. I really want to see it. I just, um, I don't, it's a Bible epic. And those can kind of be like, eh, okay. 
but uh, eventually one day. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's sounds pretty interesting, but uh, uh, <laughs> I might have to pass up on it for now. Um, there's, <laughs> there's so much other films I have to watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I hope that The Martian continues continues to do well, and I mean, I'm sure it will. Um, and I, I'm I'm also excited for Ridley Scott. He needed a hit, really. I mean. He hasn't had a hit really since Prometheus. As much as we, as much as we have issue with that film, uh, it was it incredibly did well. successful. It half a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a success. Um, and oftentimes that will blind uh, filmmakers or um, art or auteurs. Just because something's making money doesn't mean it's it's good. I mean, look at fucking Nicki Minaj. She makes a shit ton of money and she sucks. Um, um, but. I'm just happy for him. I'm happy. I, 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 I feel like this is just exciting him about, you know, uh, about kind of the road ahead. And I mean, he's got a few more Prometheus films in him, you know, so he says, um, and maybe we can use this to kind of segue into talking about all the news. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then if you wanted, we could go back and talk some more about the Martian. Um, okay. But, uh, I'm sure some of the people who are listening, um, by the time we get this out, will have already heard, but um, as Jamie was explaining to me, Ridley Scott has revealed the uh, some news about Paradise Lost, and that is that there's going to be a new crew that looks after Shaw and David's disappearance in uh, Alien Paradise Lost. I almost call it Prometheus, too. <laughs> Bad Peter. Uh, yeah, am, am I... Uh, am I Saying that correctly, like yeah. Now I kind of inferred that they would be kind of going after David and Shaw, but uh, let's read. Let me read the quote from Ridley. Um, I'm just going to go to our page real fast um, because he, he, of course, all of his statements lately. He, there's, he's been talking a lot about um, his projects, um, about Alien, Paradise Lost, and Neil Blomkamp's Alien. Um, I find that and, so interesting because this is somebody who like never does interviews unless he's doing a film. Like some people like get their heads out there like all the time. Like some filmmakers, like you just see interviews with them like all the time. And then Ridley just doesn't do like anything. And yeah. then now it's like all my headlines have to do with Ridley Scott yeah. and Blade Runner and Alien and Prometheus and all this stuff. And it's just like, <laughs> I can't handle it. Uh. Um, oh, I should say real quick, Michael Green helped to write um, this, the screenplay for Alien Paradise Lost. Michael Green is also responsible for the Blade Runner follow-up that Harrison Ford called the best script he's ever read. No so that, way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that really bodes well for uh, Paradise Lost. So anyway, so uh, Ridley Scott's quote is, it's going to be its own separate thing, talking about his film uh, as compared to Bloomkamp's Alien, because they're going, they're going to the planet of engineers and they're going to see what happened there, talking about Shaw and David um, from Prometheus. It was a disaster, Scott says. And they will be in that alien craft that takes them there, but with a new group that's incoming, a new group of travelers in the beginning of the first act. Um, so I, ha- I would imagine that Wayland yutani probably had another ship en route to LV-4, what is it, LV-423? 
LV223. It's in the same star system. LV223, okay. Um, which would make sense. And I hope that they get to the planet and they find uh, Vickers. And Vickers is a robot. And they turn her back on and they get her back up. And um, Because there's, Vickers was very, very mysterious. She was a, a, one of the very few characters that interested me in Prometheus. Vickers and David were my favorite characters in that film. The rest of them I just didn't give a shit for. Um, but yeah, so that's a whole new group of characters. So And Ridley Scott had said since the last time we had recorded that, um, or at least I think we didn't mention this, that his film, Paradise Lost, would make reference to Ripley. Um, or that, would connect, uh, it would be like a backdoor to the original Alien. Something yeah, like that. which is interesting. Now, I only suppose that what he is inferring is um, maybe um, now this is kind of out, not outlandish, but just hear, hear me out on this. Um, when uh, Shaw and David up get to whatever this engineer planet is, um, the rotation on the planet is such that uh, Earth years happen way faster. Um, kind of like Interstellar. Have you seen Interstellar yet, by the way, Peter? Are you going to hate me if I say no? Yes! <laughs> You've got to see it, Peter. You have got to see it. In fact, I can probably even give you my digital download if you want to. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Or rent it off iTunes or something. But anyways, um, so I think what's going to happen is you're going to hear that a, a, um, that a, t- a, mi- a mining crew is going to be dispatched to this planet where another ship has crashed, which will be the reference to Ripley. That's what I think is going to happen. Nothing too big, very subtle, because you really can't really reference it to Ripley. Ripley, at that point, is probably barely alive. She's probably just born. Well, so. doing the math and everything, Prometheus is about three, three and a half decades before, three and a half solid decades before uh, Alien story arc happens. So I can kind of see like that whole uh, lunar alignment thing where the years don't add up in Earth years and they go much quicker on the engineer homeworld. So I can see that kind of being a nice nod. Um, but 30 years between Prometheus and the original Alien gives so much room for story. But oh, yeah. at the same time, um, I feel like that year thing will kind of be a cop-out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be. I was just trying to figure out how they would connect Ripley in this next Alien film. Um, but to be honest with you, and people were talking about this, um, now that per- the Prometheus sequel is called Alien Paradise Lost, I'm way more excited. Way more excited about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Um, like, it it just seems like Prometheus just really polarizes people. Like, I know there's some people in the Wayland yutani board that will just outright ban people and delete people if Prometheus threads get too raunchy. But I like it. I mean, I like Alien 3. I'm not like the edge master that likes Alien Resurrection or anything, yeah, even it, even yeah. unironically. Um, but it's it's a great film, but it's not perfect. And yeah. I just I got so excited to hear that it's being called Paradise Lost. Yeah. And then it it's the the pretext is Alien. That just gets me so much more excited. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because it just implies a more direct uh, connection, and mm-hmm. instead of just elements like oh it's the wayland you uh wayland corporation not wayland yutani yet 
or oh these kind of look like the space jockey but they're like humanoids inside and mm-hmm. oh this thing kind of looks like an alien um i don't want kind ofs i want definites and i feel like paradise lost is going to deliver that yeah and i think i really have confidence that uh it's going to be the film that we all wanted when we saw Prometheus. Um, now, there are people, especially on the Wayland dutani Bulletin, that d- aren't interested. They felt like Prometheus messed it up enough that they don't even know where it could go. Now, of course, will these people be in the theater opening weekend? Of course they will be. Of course I will be too, but uh, and again, there's a difference. I mean, um, there's there's a varying de- degree of fans here. Now, the people who tend to like Alien Resurrection are kind of of passing fans of the alien films. They're not they're not the kind of fans that we are, and I won't, I won't ever use the term real fan or not real fans. Fan can mean many, many different things. And I don't I do not believe that you're a real fan if you like all the films or you're not a real fan if you don't. Um and I loved Alien 3. I think Alien 3 is a masterpiece, aside from the effects work. Um and Alien 3 kind of had the reverse problems that Prometheus had where it was written really well and the effects sucked. Whereas of course, Prometheus wasn't written well, and the effects were awesome. Um, but there were some other things in Prometheus that worked well as well. But uh, um, but I, I'm 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 down. You know, I'm if I can still love and enjoy Alien Three even when Bloomkamp releases his film. And we should say too, uh, Ridley Scott did mention in another interview that the first draft of Bloomkamp's Alien film, Alien film, was uh, turned in. So it's well on its way. That's good news. That means that they have a story done, um, even if it's like a foundation of a story. Mm-hmm. That's that's still solid. I mean, Alien, the original Alien, I don't know, probably had like five or six drafts. I have, oh, let me check my hard drive because I have them all as far as I know. Um, Alien 3 has a shit ton of drafts. Oh, that it's it's great though. <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. Let me just check real quick how many there are for Alien. There's like four or five. <laughs> There's a lot for Alien. And then Alien 3 has like seven, yeah. seven or eight rewrites. Um, but, uh, you know, even even if they do like three or four drafts at most, like they still have an idea what they want to do. And that's good news. Yes, it's very good news. I mean, it'll be interesting that two Alien films will go in front of the camera next year. One in early part of the year, and then I'm sure uh, Bloomkamp will shoot his probably in summer or fall. Uh, probably not fall, probably more in summer of 2016. Um, so we'll probably know a title. We'll see, we're going to start seeing images. We'll start seeing images of uh, Paradise Lost within three, four months, which is really, really exciting. Um, it's a great time to be a fan. Um. Definitely. And I know with the way the internet goes and how fast information gets passed around, um, I have, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm willing to put money down that probably around March or April, there will be leaks of the sets, the costumes, um, maybe cast, uh, parts of the script. Um, cause that all goes on Reddit anyway. That, I yeah. mean, People, I saw the Jurassic World sets and dinosaurs like a whole year before the film came out. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Um, so, I'm just really, really excited, and I'm willing to put money down that we'll see something 
uh, official or unsanctioned soon. Um, yeah. some, something will be out there. I agree. I, I completely agree. I think we're going to see something soon. And, you know, we're not going to just see images, leaked images or whatever. And probably, certainly, obviously, official images. Oh, also, too, uh, before I talk more about that, I think probably Paradise Lost will be released in Chris- at Christmas time next year. Um, it only makes sense. I don't think they're going to release two Alien films in one year. They're, uh, I, don't, I think it would saturate the market. So if, if Paradise Lost is shooting this early, starting in January... Um, it'll it'll be ready for a probably October release of next year. Um, so that's that's really really exciting. And then we'll to go back to what I was saying a minute ago. Uh, I think we'll start seeing images from Bloomcamp's Alien uh, by this time next year. Um, it'll probably have been in front of the camera already, and we'll just be in heaven. Yeah, I mean, or hell. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> it's it's like with Star Wars, like. Things have been leaking for years now, yeah. and it's so funny that people just get around those like airtight non-disclosure agreements, like uh, like the Fallout video game series, um, the fourth installment of which just recently got announced over the summer, and they've been working on it for like five years, and there's been like nothing solid that came out since then. Like, have they been killing people to hide that information? I don't know, but not even Star Wars can hide stuff like that. Yeah. So it's uh it's going to be it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things shape up. Yeah. And the alien films won't have the kind of scrutiny and security around them that Star Wars does. So we'll get to see far more. And I remember when Prometheus when it was shooting, I remember things leaking. I mean, so much of Prometheus leaked. So much of just the sets and that kind of thing leaked. And oh my god, I just remember being on the AVP Galaxy forum um and uh, discussing it and just seeing the images of the 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 jockey ship and I, it was just it was surreal. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, I wish it would have lived up to those uh, early expectations, but it was fun nonetheless. And uh, to we're going to be back in that in that excitement mode of seeing these things again and just anticipation. And for me, that's really some of the best times of you know being a, a fan of movies is that uh, is that build up. Definitely. And uh, I feel like The Martian kind of had a little bit of a build-up, too, um, because it's been such a, I dare say, a cultural phenomenon for a while. Um, Because the book was independently published at first on uh, the author's website, and then he got a publishing deal uh, after just getting, like, this cult following for the book. And uh, I have a first edition hardcover. I got it, like, a a year ago, I think. Something like that. Um, I, I just know it's one of the first pressings of the hardcover and like, I just remember like as soon as I started reading it and then like a few months later, it's like everybody else is reading it in my friend circle. So it like, it got around a little bit, but, uh, it was just such a shock to hear like, Oh yeah, they're making a movie out of this. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. We need more of that. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. There's so much to look forward to. There really, really is. Um, I mean, it's just certainly as we build towards the uh, 
the holiday season this year, you know, we've got Star Wars coming out, which is going to be really kind of dominating everything for a good three or four months. I mean, that's all every, anyone's going to be talking about and going to see. Um, that's going to yeah. be in the theaters for a long time, like easily will like two months. And don't forget, next year as well, aside from seeing leaks from uh, Paradise Lost and Bloomkamp's Alien, we're going to see stuff from the Blade Runner follow-up. Yes. Um, uh, so I, it's, I'm, it's just going to be like orgasm after orgasm, you know, it's going to be, awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or nerdgasm, I should say, like, uh, oh, another image from Blade Runner 2 or whatever. It's probably, I don't think it's called Blade Runner 2. There's been some updates about that as well. We, maybe we'll have to, when there's more substantial updates, we'll have to have another episode that really discusses the Blade Runner follow-up and what that means. And, uh, there's plenty of, uh, for, uh, again, for those of you who don't know, we are, me and uh, Pete are a part of the Wayland Utani Bulletin, and there's, of course, everyone who's in that bulletin and this group of dedicated to the Alien series. And there's some people who like the Predator series, and there's a lot of people who like uh, Blade Runner, including the founder of the group, uh, William Robbie. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a lot happening on the horizon, and uh, it's just going to be great to see. I mean, to see everybody excited about it and uh, see how they all fare. You know, definitely. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about at, uh, The Martian before we finished up? Because I had some things I wanted to discuss. Yeah, go on ahead, and I'll play off you. I thought the score was a really fitting tribute to Jerry Goldsmith um, in his uh, conduction of the Alien score. Interesting. There were a lot of elements of suspense and mystery, like... Mm-hmm. Um, the hypersleep song in uh, the score for Alien, the dee 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 dee, yeah, there was a lot of that in some of the first uh, some of the first songs you hear. Interesting. Okay, I really liked that, um, and of course it was shot amazingly. The cinematography was out of this world, no pun intended. Um, it was. I loved it. You know everything made sense like it wasn't just like oh let's toss in some strange angles and force perspective onto the viewer we let's let's make them confused yeah um uh it's interesting you bring up the score uh that was something i was paying attention to in the martian right away um and i felt like you know, there's a lot of, like, 70s music, which really ended up ground, grounding the film and making it more relatable. But I was listening to the traditional score as well, and I felt like, okay, this is this is interesting. I didn't feel like it worked. I felt like I'd have to see it again to really make uh, come up with some more solid opinions. I don't think it would be fair of me to completely write it off or to say it's genius. Um, because, But I was really trying to pay attention to it, and there was parts of it that I was like, wow. And then I felt like, oh, did Mark Strichtenfeld, or however you say his name, um, the guy who did the score for Prometheus, I was like, did he write this in part? Cause I felt like this just isn't sounding very good. Um, but then I felt like, Oh no, this is servicing the film. It's not amazing, but it, it, it's, it's okay. Um, and, but I'm picky when it comes to soundtracks, you know, um, I love Definitely. traditional scores. Um, I love scores that take me on a journey as, apart from the film that I can listen to like the score for Blade Runner. I listen to at least three times a week. No joke. Listen to the score. Well, because it's just it's just so perfect. It is. It's um, it's music for every mood, and not just the uh, not just the basic like ten track one. That's like an hour. I'm talking like the three CD one. That one's yeah. just ah oh, the trilogy suite. 
Absolutely. Um, and but I mean, I, I, I have to see, I need to see the Martian again just to kind of get a better idea of the score. Um, but I was happy that uh, Scott Ridley Scott didn't choose um, the same um, guy from who did the score for Prometheus, Mark which Straitenfeld. I didn't. Straitenfeld, that maybe that's how you say it. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I don't think the score for Prometheus is horrible. I just think it's not memorable. I don't ever think about it. It's not. It's just we've had this discussion when we did our our our, our score episode however many months ago that was um but i really want something unique and something that kind of is timeless um and i was glad he chose somebody else to be honest so hopefully when he approaches paradise lost he really he either brings back um what's his name um who did the soundtrack for the batman films um who on zimmer oh um, yes who also did well, stellar um, he's repeated himself a few times, but uh, I think it'd be a great, a great choice. But to your point, uh, I thought the score to the Martian was adequate. It uh, it fit the bill. It fit For the sure. Bill. Um, did you have any outstanding opinions on the special effects in the Martian? Because I thought that they were wonderful. I did too. Not uh, overdone. No, they were flawless. Um, I couldn't, there wasn't any moment where I thought, oh, that's CG. And I'm sure there was CG in the film, for sure. Certainly the space shots. It, it was flawless. And really, Scott, I have to hand it to him, uh, that's where he shines, is in effects. He knows what he's doing. He's a master of his craft. He knows He knows what's photoreal and what isn't, and he knows what's believable. I mean, the, the, sand, the storm in The Martian, which was a lot like the storm in Prometheus, still was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Or even um, like the um, the storm and alien, even going yeah. back that far. Yes, it's yes, so believable. Very similar, um, very photo real, very not like so many times in these in this day and age when you have storms and science fiction storms or whatever storms in movies, you can just look at them and like, oh my god, that was made in a computer. Um, it just doesn't seem right, um, but not Ridley. Yeah, he uh, he knows his shit. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he definitely gets the job done. Um, and then some. And going along with what you were saying, it, it very much was photorealistic. Like, you could definitely yes. tell. Um, or, or rather, you couldn't tell what was CGI. It just it pops out. It's nice. And I saw it in 2D. I don't know if you saw it in 3D. Um, but I heard the 3D was not worth it. It was just depth perception. Yeah, that's the same way I felt about I saw Prometheus in 3D. I'm like, eh, yeah. I don't need 3D. If it's a good story, I don't give a shit what, it, you know, like, I, that's just these kind of tricks don't interest me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, but yeah, the story was so well done. Um, yeah, and it was just so realistic. It was just, it was really a lovely film. It was so much fun. And being in the theater, there was a full audience with me and my nephew who I brought with me. And everybody was kind of reacting at the same time. And it was great. That's what I love about going to the movies is kind of you experience collective... it with other people. Oh, yeah. That's what it's about. A lot of people don't like that. They don't like full theaters. I live for full theaters. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm destined to be a uh, studio, a studio mogul <laughs> <laughs> or studio overlord. Hey, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I thought the costuming in The Martian was on point. Yeah. Um, the EVA suits, I, I read the novel thinking that they were talking about like the standard fare white EVA suits that our astronauts currently use, big bulky things. Um, 
But they weren't. They were futuristic, but functional. And I like that. Whereas in Prometheus, it was just like, hey, let's put these curves and lines in places that don't make any sense. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. serve no function whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was definitely function over form in the costuming. But then again, I mean, it's people in space. They're not going to yeah. be wearing Armani or anything. Yeah. And Prometheus is kind of case in point when you have people who aren't scientists, people who don't understand science, people who don't understand space travel, and people who don't understand science fiction to some degree. There's ha- there has to be a level of understanding of science fiction in order for you to tell a good story set in the world of science fiction. Um, and everybody will walk into the theater with this level of, well, the suspension of disbelief. But even in that suspension of disbelief, you have to create a world that works in those laws that you've, that you've set you've set. That up, and if they don't work within those laws, if they don't make sense within that that framework, you're going to lose everybody. Um, and Prometheus did that. It didn't even it didn't work um, uh, in in the in within the world that it created. I mean, even with the Martian, I mean, everything was he was going back to you know uh, his his you know his his training, and he talked about him being a botanist and. You know, but he had to work things out. He just couldn't like, oh, let me bring some dirt in here and blah, blah, blah. No, because we're not going to believe that. It's got to be drawn out more than that. And it's not going to be this easy thing. Um, I mean, even with Prometheus, the, one of the first couple of scenes of the film when, um, now this isn't really science, but you see Shaw and you see her kind of, she has some type of hammer or something and she's breaking apart this part of the, the wall and you see some stuff crumble, and she looks in there and she smiles um, because she's discovered something. Cut to, she's yelling, Charlie! Um, and then he's like, what? And then he goes up to the cave, and all of a sudden there's this plastic in front of the door, and they go in, and they're looking at this big mural. But didn't just two minutes before she just discovered it? How is it all, how is it all like uh, cleaned up and excavated? How did that happen? It's got to work. It still has to be science. It still has to be believable. It still has to. It still has to uh, work within you know their people. It's set in a distant Earth. It still has to work, and it didn't from get go, um, which was vastly different from the Martian, which worked from the beginning. Yeah, it just uh, start to finish. It was a wild ride in the Martian, and it wasn't far fetched. It wasn't. Oh well. Okay, I mean, I guess I can see that happening. Like, you watch this film, and it just makes sense. Like, it can happen. It's it's science possible. It's hard science fiction. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, hard science fiction with a heart, though, you know? Yeah, it's not just inconsiderate, like, oh, well, let's send these people to their doom. No, it's like real people, and this is happening to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and what's so great about it too is there's been some comparisons to to Gravity, which I saw and it didn't resonate with me. To be honest with you, um, I don't know if you've seen Gravity. I, um, I, I saw, really enjoyed Gravity. I enjoyed it for sure, but I never think about it uh, ever. Um, it's not something that resonated with me. Um, but The Martian was a very different film. We've had these really good science fiction films come out lately. We've had Gravity, we've had Interstellar, and we've had The Martian. Very, all three, very different. I mean, even Gravity is science fiction. Um, 
of course, it's it's kind of a it's it's very light science fiction. It's not dealing with aliens or whatever, or Mars or other planets. Um, it's more dealing with kind of isolation and kind of, um, you know, uh, getting yourself getting you know her character Sandra Bolt's character kind of co- coaching herself to save herself essentially. Um, so it's a very different story, but it's similar themes. It's a similar theme of gravity. Uh, as with the Martian, um, they're dealing with very like how do we survive? How do we survive this? Even Alien deals with Ripley, and she's talking about how do I survive this? So they're very similar themes done in very very different ways, and they were all very successful. Yeah, I uh, like I said, it was wild from start to finish in the best ways possible. It was succinct. It was believable, and you really felt the peril and the suspense it's very much at its heart a thriller but it's hard science fiction and i love it yeah and it just it succeeded it did its job as a science fiction film and it was awesome yeah and i think that last half hour is probably some of the most intense moments in 20th 21st century cinema yes like yes. wow <laughs> like and- uh Almost as intense as the ending for uh, Saving Private Ryan. Like, almost that intense. Yeah. And that scene, and I... I, Okay, well, I'm going to try and talk about this without giving it away. Um, What Matt Damon's... What what Watney's character um, offered to do initially when when he was kind of going up into space, like, oh, I'll just do this, and they're like, no, 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 no. That's ridiculous. We're going to come get you. Um, And then it kind of ends up happening. I just didn't even... I didn't even expect it to happen. I thought, this is re- crazy, you know? Um, and it just got crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, but, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was succinct from beginning to end. Uh, it, was, it was just an airtight film. It really, really was. And uh, I know that you always pride yourself on enjoying self-contained films and that sort of thing. And The Martian very much was that. It, it had a beginning and it had a solid end. And you don't have any questions at the end of it. And that's that's kind of rare for Ridley Scott these days. But it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't need a prequel. It is its own story. And it tells everything that needs to be told about it. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Oh, uh, odd, uh, strange bit of uh, trivia. So Jessica Chastain is in... Um, the Martian. Jessica Chastain is also in Interstellar, as is Matt Damon. Um, and uh, Matt Damon has a very similar... It's kind of a similar character in Interstellar as well. Um, so, Peter, your homework, should you choose to accept, is to watch Interstellar whenever you can. Pronto. That's like <laughs> uh, it's like three hours of my time that i got to dedicate to... Oh, uh... it's so worth it, though. <laughs> I hope you like it as much as I do. I really, really do. Like, I listen to the soundtrack of... As much as I listen to the soundtrack of Blade Runner, I listen to the soundtrack of Interstellar um, probably every other day. It's that... it's It affected me that much. I think it's the best science fiction of this generation. Better than The Martian. Better than Gravity. Um, as good as 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I'm, sti- and I'm sticking to those words. I know those are uh, fighting words for some people, but come on. I've, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that a lot. Um, but... Sitting down for three hours and watching a film isn't something I'm unfamiliar with. I mean, I did that with Terminator 2. Uh, 
the director's cut. That's like three hours. Oh, wow. I, di- I didn't even know there was a director's cut. Oh, my God. Yeah, Kyle Reese is in it. It's good. I do know. Of, I have seen those scenes, but I haven't seen them integrated into the film, so I'll have to check that out. I, I don't think that James Cameron can do wrong with that kind of stuff. I mean, has has he ever done anything that's like quote unquote bad? Because if so, I mean, I haven't seen it. But Terminator Two, the director's cut, is a must. And yeah, I don't think he's ever had a flop. Um, I mean, I think he's early, early in his career, like he, his first film, Oh Piranha, <laughs> or on Two. Uh, I think that's what he did. Um, and then he did The Abyss, um, and of course Titanic. Titanic was, of course, the the biggest moneymaker of all time, but it, critically, it it didn't do very well. Um, a lot of people lauded it for it, although he even won ever he won best director for it. Um, but uh, I don't know. So he's done Avatar. He's he's done Titanic. I think Avatar was the first film he's done since Titanic. And he produced Solaris. Did you ever see Solaris with uh, um, Viola Clooney. Davis and George Clooney? Have you seen that? I've I've read about it a little bit. And it's amazing. It's, it it's an amazing film. Interesting. Um, yes, yeah, directed by uh, Sergi. No, no, no. Um, Magic Mike, the guy who did Magic Mike. Um, why am I? I love this guy. I love his work. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Anyways, go check out Rent Solaris. It might be on Netflix. Oh, it's on my hard drive. Andre Tarkovsky. He did. Uh, no, that's the original. Yeah, he did the original. Oh, uh, okay. One Clooney is a remake, and it's much Steven shorter. Soderbergh. Soderbergh. That's right. Um, and I love Soderbergh. I love everything he's done for the most part. And uh, he knocks it out of the park. And it's interesting. Uh, James Cameron produced Solaris, and it's got a very blue kind of feeling that a lot of Cameron's films have, um, that kind of blue tint to them. Um, and the soundtrack is awesome. It's just a wonderful science fiction film, very underrated. I think uh, we have our next topic, uh, James Cameron films. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, once we can get past all this alien stuff, because I think the alien news is just going to keep pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. Yeah, uh, and not that that's a bad thing. Um, no, it's, it definitely keeps us afloat. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that's about a wrap. I agree. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Oh, no, I'm good. Uh, that was that was, that was really great lively conversation so yeah um so some parting words i'm sure some of you have heard or seen about the martian uh don't even question go drive to the nearest (laughs) theater and spend the ten dollars plus tax to go see it and you will not regret a second of the two hours and just yeah go see it it's great yes Um, it's amazing as always, you know, we're really thankful for everybody who listens to us. We've had a bunch of new fans come on board, so we just want to say thanks for being awesome. Um, we have formally set up a PayPal donation link um, that can be found on our page, um, and that's to help keep us afloat, so to speak, because Jamie and I both, uh, we have lives outside of the podcast. I know it doesn't seem like it, but uh, we're, just, <laughs> we're just two dudes. You know, we do this for fun. Um, so we're, we're definitely open with that and, uh, should be having some more exciting people come on board to speak with us. And, uh, I don't think we're at liberty to talk about it yet, but, um, you guys are in for a treat with, uh, some of the people we have coming on. So, uh, thanks again. Um, we're signing off.